This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from beautiful New Braunfels, Texas. You haven't listened for a while. You're thinking the west side of Oahu. My heart is in the west side of Oahu, and I will be back. But my family is in Texas where we are free. You see, I'm not going to let little Josh Green trap me in my house. No, no. I have freed my family, and we will free Hawaii. Uh, the Plexit movement, we're going to be talking about that. Polynesians are exiting the Democrat Party because uh, the Democrats interned the Japanese, and now they have interned the entire state of Hawaii. So we got to free Hawaii. I have freed the Joneses. I have never been more outraged as a veteran, the son of a veteran, the grandson of a veteran, the father of a veteran, and the brother of a veteran. All combat arms, by the way. My son was in Iraq and Syria, my brother in Baghdad and in Iraq. My uncle in Vietnam, my dad was an infantryman, lucked out, was in Germany during the Vietnam War. My grandpa fought in Korea. And he told me on his deathbed stories about Korea. We weren't allowed to talk about Korea. He told me about Korea as an infantryman, and he fought in World War II. My great uncle, can you believe this? In those days, he had 12 oak leaf cluster Purple Heart. Legend has it it's the most oak leaf clusters of anyone in the state of Hawaii. I have some book that says that about my uncle, my great uncle. Had another great uncle who was wounded at Pearl Harbor, was in bed till the day he died from 1941 to 1973. So my family has sacrificed, has served this country, I have. And when I saw the mainstream media and the Democrat calumny machine, the Democrat calumny machine, that's a big word, calumny, I can't say, the Democrat calumny machine, they just reached, they said the lowest of the lowest of the low things. They said that Donald Trump called the men who died and World War I, losers. And no one in the world, no one in the world believes he said that. You could say Donald Trump said a lot of crazy things, and I'll be like, yeah, that sounds like our president right there. That's something he said. By the way, Joe Biden would never say anything like this. Howard Stern wouldn't say anything like this. This was, no one ever said this, ever, until the mainstream media lied and put the insane thought out. So it offended me as a veteran. It offended me that you would manipulate my brothers and sisters who served. You thought we were so simple you could manipulate us like this? Really? Like we're school children? Come on. You thought that? And then Veterans for Trump responded. See, I thought I was the only one. No, all these veterans were mad. And a group called Veterans for Trump responded with what is to me, the most powerful response I've seen in American politics uh, to a lie. And maybe it's because I'm a veteran, but I cried. It was brave and it was bold. And I think when this election is over, this group, Veterans for Trump, is going to be why Donald Trump is reelected. So I went to a friend of mine who's a publicist, Alexis Walkenstein, like the, one of the best publicists in Hollywood. And I said, could you get me Marcus Wilson? This man seems very, this man, I want to talk to him. I thought there was no way. She's not going to be able to pull this off. 
And then she called me back and she said, you know, he's available today. Marcus Wilson was a first sergeant, is a Marine, has 10 children, fought in Afghanistan and in Iraq. In Iraq in 2006, he suffered uh, horrible injuries, including uh, losing a leg. This man gave a lot. I hate that I even have to say this, but it matters that an election that is the calumny is charged with claims of racism to our president. He's black. And so we know that takes courage to come out and support the president, to defend the president. So I'm going to play the ad, the, the, the Trump, uh, the Veterans for Trump ad right here. And then we are going to go straight into the interview with the true American hero. He has 10 children. I can tell you, you don't have to, it doesn't take many, much powers of empathy to know how hard it is to leave your family for a business trip, but to go off to war and think you may never see them again, then to lay on a stretcher, bloody, with metal throughout your body, your body feels on fire, could be on fire, the thoughts that you never see your family again. That's what Marcus Wilson had to go through. But our neoconservative schmuck politicians, the whole lot of them, that are all gathering behind Biden, David Frum, Max Boot, Bill Kristol, they all advocated this war. And then they said, oh, it was wrong. Eh, we were wrong. Eh, move along. Now we'll start a coup in Ukraine. Ah, now we'll devastate Yemen. Ah, now we'll topple uh, Libya. Ah, now let's topple Assad. Move along. Oh, we were wrong. Wrong, wrong, and wrong again. They're behind these lies. But heroes like Marcus Wilson carried the burden of our commitments carried the burden, kept the promises that our politicians broke. A real hero. So here is the Veterans for Trump spot, and we are going to go right into the interview. Check the show notes while you're listening. There's links to organizations that Marcus mentions in the interview that supports veterans like him. I would like to ask everyone listening to donate. And you know what would be beautiful? We have a large listenership in Iraq. It would be beautiful for our audience in Iraq. Make a little donation. Little. If you, if you can make a big one, make a big one. Or just send a note to Marcus. My Iraqi friends tell me, when I was there, there's two ways to be Iraqi. You have our, our, our sand in your blood, or you put your blood in our sand. And so Marcus is an Iraqi. And you know, my heart is in Iraq too. It's a place I love. I'm looking forward to getting back there soon on a project that I've been working on that's not public. We'll talk about all that. Here is this powerful spot, historic spot, a beautiful spot um, from Veterans for Trump. And then we will be on with the interview with Marcus Wilson. It's the Jason Jones Show. My name is Jeffrey Cavello. I was a specialist in the United States Army. I'm retired Marine First Sergeant Marcus Wilson. My name's Christian Valle, and I was a sergeant in the U.S. Army. As a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout with the 10th Mountain Division, I got blown up four days after my 20th birthday in Afghanistan in 2011. I read the post that came out yesterday of uh, The Atlantic on their take on what he said of, of, of the soldiers that have passed away and stuff like that. When I read the reviews and people posting about that article, I, it didn't make me happy seeing, seeing uh, people saying that. 
how they were so gullible. And part of the article, it said some people were asked, like what people were asked. Now it's not, it's not about if it's factual anymore. Donald J. Trump since has done so much for our VA during during this pandemic when it was starting off. My first worry was if I'm gonna have enough medications, if my prosthetics are gonna be fixed, are they gonna be able to work on them? You know, in, ca in case of the program, the government programs were getting shut down like they have before in the past, where we were denied medications and and prosthetic work because of that, because of because of things in the government. You know, like we as veterans would love to know that we're gonna keep get, getting taken care of. I retired from the Marine Corps in 2015, uh, but in November of 2006, I was injured in Iraq by an IED. I was in a vehicle. Um, at that time, the three Marines that were in the vehicle with me were killed, and I lost my left leg above the knee, ultimately. Uh, fractured my right femur, broke both of my arms, uh, broke my left hand, uh, broke six ribs, punctured both of my lungs, and fractured six vertebrae in my back, and I had burns and cuts all over my body. At that time, I was a staunch Democrat. Like, I, you cannot tell me anything outside of that. But I've learned and I've watched since that time the things that have been happening in this country. And I want to be the person to do something about it. The president has done more in his time, his short time in office, than what's been done in, in Washington in the last 25 years regarding minorities and regarding veterans. And for that, I give my unwavering support to President Trump. I served in Iraq, and I got wounded by a grenade that took my leg immediately. My other leg was wounded badly and was amputated later on. Watching the media try to make Donald Trump look like he hates veterans is a dumb thing to do. Our military and VA systems were a mess. Uh, President Trump came in and fixed those systems. Every day, his administration is there to help our military men and women fight our battles abroad with support and help. I highly put my support in President Trump in the upcoming election, and I'm confident he can take our nation a step further in the near future. My name is Jeffrey Cavello, and I fully support Donald J. Trump as our President of the United States. I give my unwavering support uh, to President Trump. I support President Trump because he always stands for us. Aloha, Marcus. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Thanks for having me, Jason. So you, you're a Marine, and your life has changed quite a bit in the past couple of days, I, I, I suspect. Uh, yeah, it has. <laughs> did you, did you uh, we just played the clip that went, went uber viral, and um, as a veteran, it really spoke to me. It spoke to me on many, many levels. One level was as a veteran. Did you anticipate it going as viral as it did, or was it just something you did for some friends, and then bam? Um, I didn't. It was just something that I did, uh, that I was asked to do, and I felt compelled um, to do it after I was asked. And it just, it was a lot bigger than I thought it would have not been. Well, I think uh, you spoke for a lot of us veterans, and I think you spoke for a lot of Americans. Um, but what really struck me was, I mean, this had to be, I mean, you had to, this took courage. Did you have fear? I mean, let's set the stage. You're a, a retired Marine. Mm -hmm. You fought in yeah. Iraq. How many deployments did you do in Iraq? I did one deployment um, to Afghanistan and one to Iraq. And you were wounded in Iraq? I was wounded in uh, November 2006 in Iraq. 
was my second injury. So you have two Purple Hearts. You retire, and uh, you, but you continue to serve. And God bless our military now that they make places for, for, for soldiers and Marines and sailors after uh, they're injured. And that, yeah. That's something they didn't do in the old days, right? Oh, yeah. That was, uh, it was something I had to push um, to show that it was something that I actually wanted to do was to stay in and remain active. And, you know, I was blessed to be able to do that. And what was your MOS? I was uh, infantry by trade. Cool. I'm an infantryman and, too. Uh, there you go. I won't hold it at your army against you. <laughs> I wasn't smart enough for the Marines. I dropped out of high school. <laughs> the day I turned 17, I dropped out of high school and joined the army. And, oh, okay. And uh, so the army was the only branch that would take me. But I'm proud <laughs> to have been an army infantryman, come from a long line of army infantrymen. My son... Not only is he a Packers fan, and I'm a Bears fan, but he uh, he went artillery. I, I just oh, didn't, wow. I didn't know how he did that. I don't understand, but I was glad he did. Once he went to Syria and Iraq, you know that he had a little bit of distance between him and the bad guys. Yeah. But so you were a Marine, you were an infantryman, you fought mm-hmm. for your country, you retired, and here you are, the most divisive presidential election, and it really shouldn't be. I, I don't really know what the cause of the division is. I think Trump is the most unitive candidate for president we've ever had. And I was almost a never-Trumper in 2016. But then when you look at what the man has done, he's pulled together the best traditions of both of the parties into one man, one administration. But race yeah. is a big part of this. And I will tell you, when I share on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram I, uh, my support for Trump, I know I'm hurting some of my black friends. And that is the hardest thing for me that people I love, people I grew up with, I've known since I was four or five, they are disappointed in me. They're uh, hurt by my sharing, my support for Trump. And we have the same values. And that's what frustrates me. But so when you came out, did you have a fear of hurting people close to you that you loved? Was that something that went through your mind? Um, It absolutely did go through my mind because, my, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Arkansas, uh, in the South. You know, I've dealt with racism. I've dealt with a lot of things uh, growing up. My forty-four years, I've been alive. And believe it or not, and I'm, I'm, it pains me to say this, and and it's really embarrassing. But I did vote for Hillary Clinton uh, in the last election, and shortly after that is when I started to see things for the way that they are. When you, um, I went, before we get to you voting for Hillary, I almost didn't vote, but I saw Hillary's name and I had to cover that bubble next to Trump. Did you pause at all or did yeah. you like vote with conviction for Hillary? Uh, no, I had some hesitation and, but it was just, it was the only way that I could vote based on the way that I was raised and the way that I came up. My wife, she voted for, for Trump. I voted for Hillary. My wife was pro-Trump before me. I worked for Ted Cruz. I, I didn't. My wife, whose parents were immigrants, and her parents were big Trump supporters, mm-hmm. and she was yep. way ahead of me on this. I mean, I didn't think I, I lived in a blue state, Hawaii, so I'm like, it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. My bubble, I'm not going to color any of the bubble, but I looked at Hillary's name. And the real reason as a veteran I got out in 93 from active duty and then went reserves for a while. 
But I really feared that invading Iraq would be catastrophic to Iraqis, that we wouldn't, mm-hmm. as a nation, have the commitment to stay once we went. Not that Saddam was a good guy, but I, I thought we'd break it and not have the will to buy it. And that's what happened, yep. right? So we had Hillary and Biden exactly. and all of these neocons on the Republican side that are now endorsing Biden. They voted to go to Iraq. You went because this is what the Iraqis know. And I go to Iraq. What they know is that the Marines, the soldiers, the servicemen and women that were there, they have the highest respect for you because they know you were there for their interests. It's, yeah. our, it's our politicians. They always say our politicians are like your politicians. Politicians are politicians, but Americans are the best people in the world. We got to know your men and women when they were here. So you were there. Yeah. You, you left your blood. As the Iraqis say, you are Iraqi. They say there's two ways to be Iraqi. Uh, the dirt is in your blood or your blood is in their dirt. Yep. And so you're Iraqi to them. You were there for them. And then you witnessed the Democrat. When you saw the withdrawal, did that hurt? Did that, was that something it, you thought about when you were voting for Hillary, that they pulled out of Iraq? Uh, that isn't something that I thought about. I, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about it. Um, just because I was, I was having these hesitations, um, but I was still so ingrained just with the way that I grew up and, and that mind, that mindset of voting nothing but Democrat that I just fell right into it. So it was, it was just, it was that you weren't happy about it, but it's the, I got two choices. It's gotta be Hillary. Were you mad? Were you mad at your wife? No, I wasn't mad at my wife because she, we talked about it a lot. You know, there was, it was never any like, uh, never any heated arguments or anything like that, but we did talk about it. And she was, she was definitely disappointed in me in my decision, but she, <laughs> you know, we loved each other and she, she like, Hey, it's your decision. What was her reasons for voting for Trump uh, four years ago? What was the big issue her for reason, her? Her biggest reason for voting for Trump uh, was probably the fact that he had no experience as a politician up to that point and she wanted change she wanted something different than what what we have been dealing with in the past she liked that he was a disruptor yes so when when was this a gradual like giving this guy like okay i'm gonna judge him not by what everyone's saying about him about what he does, what was it that first caught your attention? Uh, the first thing that caught my attention actually wasn't something that he did. It was, you know, the Democrats had this thing where they would, they would talk about all the time about, I uh, can't remember the, the phrase exactly, or something like you hit high or you hit low, we. Oh, we, you go low, we go lower. Is that, is that <laughs> what they said? That's pretty much it. Yeah, it was like uh, that scene, like, we're going to go to the mattresses. They, they sh- you know, they punch me, I stab them. They stab them, I shoot them. That's pretty much what's going on right now. And, and that's when I started to see that happening back then, uh, it, it was just, it just started to open my eyes and I started to take more interest in, like, in my life in this country and the decisions that I make in the way that I vote. Do you have children? Oh, I do have children. <laughs> so that's the big thing, right? You, you, 
I find that when you have children, it's not a game anymore, right? It's this is very serious uh-huh. stuff. Absolutely. And now I have ten children. Oh, you! I have seven. I was gonna, I was gonna brag, but you have. <laughs> I have two. How many grandchildren? I have two grandchildren, seven children. No grandchildren. All right, I got you there. I got you there. I have, I have four in college. Praise God. That is beautiful. So, you know, I see politics, everything, through the eyes of a father. I became a father at 18. And I just always, and I was a high school dropout and a numbskull, and I just wanted to order my life to bless my children. And so when I'm involved in politics, everything I do is, what is my children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, what is their life going to be like? And it gets very serious. When you yeah. have children, yeah, I don't, I don't have time to virtue signal. I have all these young people that are going out into the world that I love. There you go. Yeah. And you have 10 of them. So I do. So are they all on the Trump? And what is it? Because to me, what's interesting is the way the media plays this. It, it used to be, we'll divide you from your neighbor, but now it's, they want to divide us from our own family and friends. And it's working in your own family. It's working. Not in my, you know, my children, they respect us. They respect our decisions. And, you know, while they may or may not agree, some of them, some of them do, some of them don't. But they, it's always full respect and it's nothing else. So when you, when you came out with this video, did you have family members or friends kind of give you flack? No. They respect you too much. You gave too much. (laughs) <laughs> you gave too my much, family, right? Well, you know, my family outside of my children and wife, you know, a lot of them, they're all, most of them are all Democrats, probably 95, 96%. And uh, they are wondering, like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> How can you vote for that racist? Like, these are the things I hear. How can you support a racist and all this other stuff? And uh, I tell them, like, you know where I'm from. You know how I grew up. If I had one iota of doubt and I thought that this president was racist in any kind of way, there's no way I would follow him. There's no way I would vote vote for the things that, you know, for the division that he has for this country. I wouldn't do all that if I didn't believe that he was a a righteous man and, and just want to make this country better. Genuinely. You know, when I almost didn't vote for him last time, a lot of it had to do with my thoughts of maybe he did kind of harbor some sort of secret racism. How did they get us to believe this? How did they, I mean, people believe it. I believed it. You, did you believe it? I mean, I, I, I did. Oh yeah. How did they get us to, how did they get us to think this? You know, on the democratic side, and I can keep referring to that because that's how I grew up. We were always taught, you know, the Republican Party is a party of racists. So you would never vote that way and 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 never agree to the things that they uh, the things that they wanna the agenda that more conservatives wanna push forward, like, you know, um, I'll give you an example. My mom, Democrat for life. She is Christian woman. She's anti-abortion. She's anti-a lot of things. She'll vote every single time Democrat. 
just because it's the way that she's always done it. Yeah, and it's they've done a good job. You know, when you I've been I knew I was Republican the day I saw Oliver North raise his right hand and be just persecuted by the Democrats. And I saw an American who was fighting totalitarian socialism, uh, fighting vicious. And I, and I mean, I wasn't the brightest kid in the world, but I knew enough to know that. I'd say that's when I started identifying as Republican. And the first thing on my own, a kid who was last in his class that I discovered, and I said, this is why I want to be a Republican. It was founded to end slavery. They fought for the Civil mm-hmm. Rights Act for 100 years, from 1864 to 1964. That Martin Luther King was a Republican. Uh, these were the things that I was, I, I, when I just did a little bit of research on my own, it's amazing that the party that was founded to end slavery and then fought the Democrats who fought for slavery, that left the <laughs> Union over slavery, the party that was the party of Jim Crow, that if you voted Republican, they would lynch you. Yeah. Um, how... The, the, the story they tell is there was this great switch. Now, I'm from the north. Yep. I'm from Chicago. I saw okay. no signs of no great switch. Um, and, and it, is there some truth to it? Was there some tinge of racism in, like, the Southern Republican Party in, when you were growing up in Arkansas, or is it just what they do? They create these narratives. They keep saying it, and we believe it. I think I think that's exactly what it is, and it's just the perception that that's pushed, just pushed, and is so deep within us um, that you, as soon as you see any, if you see a white Republican, you're like, oh my God, he's racist. If you see a black Republican, you're like, oh, he's a sellout or he's whatever. I've been called so many names, and you gave more than anyone who's ever called you a name for this country. Yep. You gave more for me. You don't know me. You gave more for my children. You gave more for my friends in Iraq, the Chaldeans, the Assyrians, the Yazidis, than anyone they've ever met. And they have the nerve, and they, they call you names. Not in person. I guess these are just the social justice warriors on the Internet. Oh, yeah. No one's going to say anything you know, to your I, face. No, I mean, I'll get, like, the message. I get messages all the time like what's wrong with you like why are you why are you doing this why are you doing that and like i don't you know for me that's what makes this country so great is that if that's the decision that i choose to make and i i respect their decision i don't i don't agree with it but i respect it because it's your choice to make but people can't just take things for that and they always want to just, it will beat you down, just beat you down. You know, I find it takes something dramatic to give people the courage to wade into this. And for you, you had your dramatic experiences in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yep. Um, and, and that's probably what propelled you. Do you think if not for your combat experience, you would have had the courage to wade in this? Or is it you like, I gave too much for this country not to speak up? That's it, exactly right there. I gave too much. And I don't think if if I wouldn't have had those experiences in combat, I would have never joined the military. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have. I, I still have the same mindset that I had prior to me finally waking up and opening my eyes and realizing 
everything that's going on in this country. What my big hope is, I mean, it does take courage. I have a Trump bumper sticker. You won't believe this. I have a Trump bumper sticker, <laughs> this huge Trump bumper sticker on the back of my truck. Just moved from Hawaii got- to San Antonio. And I was, uh, you know, it's hard to get weights right now. Plates, dumbbells, barbells. I should have just shipped yeah. my stuff from Hawaii. But I thought it just it's a waste of money. I'll just go pick some stuff up on Craigslist. Well, Craigslist is very expensive. So I'm just constantly just prowling around Craigslist and Facebook to try to get these weights. So I'm driving into San Antonio into what's clearly a, a very Mexican neighborhood with my big pickup truck mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. Trump bumper sticker. I'm like, oh, here we go. And I roll up to this guy's house, and he sees my bumper stickers. We're putting the weights in the back of the truck. And he gets this big smile, and he goes, I got a MAGA hat in the house. And I looked around, and I said, you, do you wear that around here? He goes, no way. He goes, I'm a secret Trump supporter. And I said, secret? He goes, yeah, all my neighbors are secret Trump supporters too. I'm like, well, if you and all your neighbors are secret Trump supporters, you should just all come out together. I go, because white guys like me – I'm afraid you're going to look at me and think I'm a racist. And I don't like people thinking I'm a racist. You don't, you don't want people to think you're a racist, but now, you know, and the reason like why I'm even in politics is because I'm pro-life. I want the child in the womb to be protected from the violence of abortion. And that's eugenics. It's the greatest expression of structural racism today in America is the abortion industry. It's 19th century racism in the 21st century. And that's what we have. I agree. I completely agree with you. So there we are, but they're going to look at us. I support border security. One of the things I didn't like about how Trump's talked about the border, I said, you know, I'm for border security and you verify. I also support the dream act and a path to citizenship for people working here who haven't committed crimes, but border security and you verify is the number one thing because I don't like people in my country being exploited. And I don't like people trapped in an underground economy without legal protection. And I don't like yep. working class Americans, people like me who dropped out of high school that didn't have the military to, you know, save me. Um, mm-hmm. That their their wages are being undercut by people they're exploiting and abusing. But yet, when we yep. put that sticker on, no one knows why I'm for Trump. I don't like regime change wars that kill black and brown people. I don't like the famine that this shutdown that our governors are doing is causing people to start from Bangladesh to South Africa. That's why I'm gung-ho for Trump. But then they look at that bumper sticker, and how many black people who don't know me, Mexican, they're going to go racist? Yep. And, right. and And so for you to have, it's easier, though. Do you think it's harder for me to go around and support Trump and be labeled a racist, or is it harder, you think, you as a black man to support Trump and be called an Uncle Tom and the horrible things? What, what, is, what takes more I- courage? I, I think it's harder as a black man to be a supporter of the president. And and, and that's pretty sad. Um, like I said, I've been called a lot of things. Uh, mostly people message me and stuff like that. And it doesn't even, it bothers me at first. And uh, I talked to my wife about it and she just like, you know, once you get you put stuff out there like that, especially with with who you are, not that I'm somebody, but meaning like I'm a black person. Like people are going to criticize you. You got to be ready for that. It's a spiritual exercise, isn't it? Like oh, you, yeah. you need Jesus to be able to handle it right. 
And if you yeah, didn't get dude. enough sleep, it might not be so good sometimes. Have you ever like snapped at somebody? <laughs> <laughs> like, have you? Have, I have. Yeah, it's hard, like, right? I it's have. Hard. I'm not gonna act like I'm a saint. Yeah. <laughs> you're a marine. <laughs> you're a marine. Sometimes I'm a marine. That's you're it. a Christian and a marine. Sometimes the marine shows up. Sometimes the Christian shows up. What is it? Steve Harvey yeah. says. Uh, I love that Steve Harvey line. He says, uh, "I ain't that good of a Christian yet." <laughs> that's my favorite line and uh yeah i've heard that so it's um well that's why i just i commend you because i know i know it is hard and i'm hoping that this election in the end it is the devil means it for division yeah every step of the way i feel like the devil is dividing did you see on twitter last week they had black americans and they, what they were doing is they were trying to divide. It was trending on Twitter, black Americans, and it was trying to divide Africans and black Americans. It was a whole Twitter battle. And then the next wow. day on Twitter, it was white Latinos, and they were trying to divide Latinos. So it's not enough that you divide our families. It's not enough that you divide our communities. It's not enough we can't go root for the Bears together. No, you take sports, you take everything. You divide in every direction. Now you're going to like... Now we'll divide black Americans from Africans. Now we'll div divide white Latinos from what? This is relentless. But what my hope yep. is, is that we as a country, they're showing their hand. They are showing their hand. Like you have to, there's coming, there's, it's getting to a point where you really willfully have to say, I don't see what's going on here. You really have to say, yep. I'm turning away now because it has become so obvious the relentless attempts at dividing us. The latest thing saying that the president of the United States called World War I veterans losers. Preposterous. It really is. Preposterous. Now, is that what your video was initially responding to? Yes, that's what the video was responding to. And that was your first public coming out in support of the president, or have you done that before? Um, I mean, outside of Facebook. You know, I, I'm a supporter on Facebook, and I let it be known. Um, outside of that, I don't really have, like, you know, I don't really have any public venues or anything like that. So, When I, when I saw that, 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 that ridiculous, absurd claim, just unbelievable. Even when I didn't like Trump, I just said, come on. No way he said that. That's just dumb. Yeah. No way anyone yeah. said that. Absolutely. Bill Clinton didn't say that. Uh, John Bolton didn't say that. Joe Biden didn't say that. No, but Howard Stern didn't say that. Nobody <laughs> ever said that, right? Like, I don't believe it. And no. I said, they're playing veterans as stupid. That is a huge mistake. That could be what cost them the election. Your yep. video could be what cost the, the Democrats the election. I hope so. Could you imagine? But, you know, a lot of these guys are, a lot of these guys are, are feeding into that. They just, they just see the headlines for a story. And they assume that it's automatically true. You know, it's sad for me because I have, you know, I work in the film industry now and I have friends who are celebrities and I hear people say the most outlandish things about them. And it has taught me to just be very careful about what you believe yep. and be more careful about what you share. Like if I hear, you know, the way that story too about the president was like so-and-so claimed that he might have said this. It was the most ambiguous, like is this a news story? It's hearsay of hearsay yep. of something that sounds utterly unbelievable. There are things you it could does. say Trump said that would not, they'd be like, oh, here we go. 
I go, yeah, he probably yeah, said that. Yeah. Right? Like, I, that guy probably yeah. said that. But not this. Yeah. No. Nope. And as Christians, we shouldn't spread calumny, not about Joe Biden, not about Donald Trump, not about our neighbor we don't like. Like, saying things that are not true to destroy someone's reputation is wicked. But like you said, it goes back to the first thing that made you look at Trump was the Democrats saying, if he goes low, we go lower. Yep. And this is about as low as you can go lying to veterans. Yeah, that's just, it's crazy. Now you were stationed in Hawaii. I was stationed in Hawaii. What years were you stationed there? Were you stationed there? I was stationed in Hawaii from 2003 to 2006. Did you ever um, do cross training with the Wolfhounds? I was an, I, was, did. I was a one two. I was a Wolfhound. What did you guys do together? Okay. Uh, I don't remember exactly what we did with them exactly, but we have we have done training with them. And I have a guy, uh, a really good friend of mine. I don't know if he was ever stationed out in Hawaii, but he was a wolf. He was a wolfhound. Yes. Uh, so what we he's used a, he's an army cat. What we used to do with you guys was helo cast. We did a lot of helo casting. Um, did you ever do helo casting out off of bellows? I've done a lot of stuff off of bellows, but not helo casting. Well, what's the worst thing about doing stuff off of bellows? <laughs> the worst thing. Yeah. The bugs. Uh, the, I, the Portuguese men of war is the top of my list. <laughs> yeah, those things will get you. Those things will get you every time. What do you miss most about yeah. Hawaii? I just miss the people. I miss the the weather, just the laid back environment. I didn't get to spend too much time there. I was always training. We were always on the Big Island or Pahakaloa you know, and the Pahakaloa training. Yeah. I loved it up there. Did you ever go watch a movie <laughs> in those old Quonset huts? Did they still have that? We'd, we did. We didn't get to go watch any movies. Marines. Uh, yeah, we used to see you guys yeah. there all the time. In fact, so I got three Article 15. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I got three Article 15s <laughs> my first year for fighting. And one of them, I was a 17-year-old kid with problems, you know. And I'm so grateful yeah. that my chain of command didn't chapter me out, which I probably should have yeah. been chaptered out. But one of them was I got in a fight with a Marine uh, in line at a store in Pahakaloa, but this was in the late 80s, so I'm sure it was much different there today or in the, even uh, 15 years ago than it was in the late 80s. Yeah. In the late 80s, there was nothing there. There was one little store in a Quonset hut for movies and a basketball court. Yeah, it's built up a little bit now. Right on. So, yeah, you just trained so much. And um, yeah. What was your, did you go to like, what was your favorite food in Hawaii? Because we have a huge, let me tell you where our audience, you're not going to believe this show has a strange audience. Or I shouldn't say strange. Don't want to insult my own audience. You're not strange. It's unusual because we have a huge audience in Iraq, of all things, because of the work I do there, and a huge audience in Hawaii. So what's your favorite oh, wow. food? Do you Like, what do you miss most? Or was there a place that you liked the most? Or Taniokas? Or where did you go? What was your favorite food? I miss, I miss Sam. I haven't had spam since I left Hawaii. And that was something that I, as a child, we see spam, and I absolutely hated it. And then I got stationed on Hawaii, and they would make these sandwiches with just like eggs and spam. And you could get it at McDonald's. Spam, and we, we eat more spam than any state in the union, little Hawaii. They have a spam fest. <laughs> but you know what it is? Nowhere in the world knows how to make spam but Hawaii. Like, I will never eat Spam anywhere 
but Hawaii, unless it's made from somebody from Hawaii, right? When they, they cover it in teriyaki sauce or Tabasco yes, sauce and yes, it gets that, yes. it gets blackened and it's perfect. Yes. It's perfect. Well, we just left yes. after 31 years. I went there as a 17 year old E1 and stayed after 31 years. We left because the whole state is shut down and the Democrats there have 50% real unemployment. They're reporting like 30%. Um, yeah. And the Democrats, they're absolutely devastating. And there's something that's being launched. You should check it out on Twitter. It's called Plexit, the Polynesian exit. And the Polynesians in Hawaii are waking up to what is happening in the state. And they are committing to vote for Trump. And I think Trump is going to win Hawaii. I really do. And it's going to rock the world. You know, I got got a Polynesian. My best friend is Polynesian from Hawaii. And uh, he's a huge Trump supporter. His entire family is. So I could see that. Is he in Hawaii still now? No, he's out here in Southern California with me. Oh, right on. He's he, some, he Samoan? About 20 minutes from me. Is he yes. some, there's tons of Samoans in Southern California. Yep. I have a lot of Samoan friends that live out there in Southern California. And, in fact, the music to this show was written to me by my friend Teeny Gray. At the beginning of the show, when you hear it, his dad is Jerome Gray, who is who's like the Frank Sinatra of Samoa. So you, you show that to your friends. You go, this is Jerome Gray's son, Teeny Gray. And he's, he's got a name for himself, too. He's big out there. Yeah. His, his, stage name is, cool. his stage name is Lowell Grayson. Well, what rank did you retire at? I retired as a first sergeant. Well, first sergeant, I just want to thank you for your courage, for your service. Uh, you've given more uh, than you gave as much as you can give for this country and you did it for my family and for my, my friends and for my children. And you did it for my friends in Iraq and in Afghanistan. And you were betrayed by the political elite. Everyone who served there was betrayed by the Bidens, uh, especially, you know, what his family's doing there with profiteering right now, war profiteering. It's absolutely unimaginable. And uh, I want to thank you for your courage as a veteran to speak out on behalf of all veterans that don't play us. We're not foolish. You know, we're not, the, we're not the special interest group to treat like children. That's the message that you sent. And I hope it puts an end. Um, I hope it puts an end to these games of trying to use veterans to smear the president. Is there a website or something, Veterans for Trump, where we can uh, direct people to? Uh, yes, actually, uh, make sure I don't want to give you the... Yeah. And also, if you, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, and you can give okay. us uh, your Instagram. I'm pulling it up, too. I'm trying to uh, – I can't believe Alexis. I saw the video. I said to my friend who's a publicist, Alexis, I said, can you give me Marcus Wilson, knowing the answer's no? I always ask these questions where I know the answer's no. And then <laughs> one in 100 times, the answer's yes. And you're like, whoa, yeah. I'm glad I asked. So I got your um, – yeah. I'll have, I can have Alexis send me the links, your social yeah, media, your Twitter. We'll put it all in the show notes. Is there anything that you wanted me to ask that I didn't or you wanted to share with the folks? Um, i just like to uh, – there's like three nonprofits that are kind of responsible for me, uh, responsible for my, my mental wellness as well as, you know, Give me the opportunity to actually go out to that event in Wilmington to see the president uh, was uh, Independence Fund. 
and and they do a lot of good work for um, disabled veterans, and not only the veterans, but for their families also, for the, the wives. They send them out on retreats and get them rested. And uh, I just think it's a great organization. And then the other one is uh, Wounded Warriors, Wounded Warrior Outdoors, and they they send wounded vets out on hunts. Um, all over the country and in Canada and some other countries, um, completely paid for. And it's a great, great thing to get out there with other wounded guys, just sit around and talk, kind of pick each other's brains and, and see where everybody's at and help each other out in any ways that we can. And then the last one, uh, the last one is, uh, is, actually the uh, simplify fund and simplify fund what they do is they they give all types of assistance to wounded uh wounded ill and injured veterans uh of all for all branches um another great organization and without those organizations you know i wouldn't be i wouldn't be able to to have to had the courage to do the things that I do. So I just want to thank those guys. Well, what I'll do is I want to ask everyone to donate to one of those three groups. Um, I'll name them in the beginning of the show, and I'll put the links in the show notes. And if everyone listening uh, would donate, you know, Marcus, thank you for your service. We need to stand with our – it's one thing to say, you know, thank you, um, but it's another thing to stand with you. And I say solidarity isn't helping – someone shoulder their burden, it's you carrying your fair share of the burden that they have on their shoulders. And you have more than your fair share of the, our burden on your shoulders because of your service and your service in Afghanistan and Iraq. So when we stand with the Semper Fi Fund and the other organizations that you named, it gives us a chance in a small way to try to carry what is our fair share of the burden. And it is sad that that so few men and women served what is the percentage of the population of this country and served relentlessly, deployment after deployment after deployment. And it was a burden on your wife. It was a burden on those children of yours. And um, we need to stand there with you and carry, take some of our load off your back because what you and all those other vet, wounded veterans are carrying is the load of a country, of our mistakes, of our promises, of our war, you're carrying on your shoulder. How many uh, men and women are, are wounded uh, out there? Do, do you know those numbers off the top of your head? How many uh, were wounded in Afghanistan and in Iraq? Um, I don't know. I know the numbers for the, the amputees. I know there's like, you know, at least 2,100 amputees uh, from the beginning of the war up until now. So you have 2,100 uh, men and women. Uh, amputees that are caring for the rest of their life, still carrying the burden we put on their shoulders. Not to mention all the soldiers that just have, you can't see their wounds because it's PTSD. And, um, yeah. and how many countless is that? I know my brother fought in uh, Fallujah. And, um, you know, that's all I have to say there. My best friend has three purple hearts. He was an intelligence officer. And I know what he grapples with. So I know that uh, your family's still grappling with this. And I'm so grateful for those organizations. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Can I ask you, I'm a big advocate 
for THC to treat PTSD. And, uh-huh. and um, I would really like to see, what is the V, do you know anything about what the VA is, is their movements on using THC instead of the more powerful uh, drugs they're using? I think right now it's, uh, it's a no-go, but they're, they're working towards, they've been working a while towards this, uh, getting something done. So they'll so they can incur some of the costs to 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 help the vets um, have access to it and to get off some of these drugs. Hey, I gotta tell you, man, I was I was on all kinds of medication. You name it, I was on it. Like I was prescribed everything, and I got to a point where I didn't know whether it was am I taking this because I because I need it or am I taking this because it makes me feel a certain way. And so after I retired, I retired in 2015, I went to the dispensary and I tried THC as my first time trying it in, you know, almost 21 years. And uh, shortly after that, uh, I just found myself like feeling like I didn't need like all these different medications. And eventually, it literally got me off of everything that I have except for like a fish oil pill and a multivitamin. I'm glad I asked you because I didn't know how you were going to respond. You might have been like, no, I'm against it because it's a miracle. I have seen it transform my friends, completely yeah. transform, not only mentally but physically. A lot of what physically ails them, and I have one, my best friend for reasons because of, you know, his still his service commitments things he's doing now he can't take it mm-hmm. and it's like wow but the stuff you know the 27 other pills are much more powerful than thc gummies i know a lot of my yeah. audience they're conservatives you know we need to sell our conservative republican friends on that because a lot of them are like you know <laughs> no marijuana yeah. no no but the, the 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 how it relieves ptsd is absolutely unbelievable yeah. yep and I've seen it with yeah, countless you know, you, friends and family members who have, have used it to get off of the really powerful drugs. Oh yes, you know I, uh, you know not only for pain. You know I've I've had over forty eight run out over. I've had forty eight surgeries since my injury. I've um, and I was you know taking Percocet and whatever else I was prescribed. Got rid of that. I was taking all kinds of stuff for um, PTSD and stuff like that. And eventually I was able to let that go and able to feel like I'm pretty level and, and able to keep things within, within boundaries and play nice. Did you have problems with seizures? I've never had problems with seizures. No, that's good because it really helps. With I, that I do have well. one. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it does. I have a friend. He has seizures and, and that's what he takes it for. He just, that CBD oil, a couple drops under his tongue. And within a minute, it just stopped. Yeah, and, you know, people who are against it, you're like, you take CBD oil, you don't even, it's nothing. It's like putting olive oil. It's nothing. You just, it makes yep. sense. doesn't change your mind at all. And uh, with the no, THC, even though it does, the relief that it gives people with PTSD is unbelievable. It is really, yep. I said to my friend who's a psychiatrist who exclusively treats uh, soldiers and Marines, he said, Jason, I've never had a suicide since I, when I took people off the other drugs and put them on THC. And, and he said, and I said, so th- those potheads, you know, I was a jock. 
I'm like, so those yeah. potheads in high school that with all their conspiracy theories were right? <laughs> they would say, oh, marijuana does this yeah. and marijuana does that. And marijuana again. I'm like, you're crazy, bro. You're crazy. You're on to but I think when you, you know, when I listen to my friends who are prescribed it and I talk to my psychiatrist friends who, who use it for their patients, it is really big pharma that's standing in the way. And if there's one president that's going to break the back of big pharma on everything and anything, it's, it's Trump. Yeah. And so okay. I think when, when he gets reelected, um, I think that's something we as veterans should really, really push for that, uh, that veterans and people even in service can have access to this to treat their PTSD. Yep. We can catch up to the UFC okay. in the Olympics, right? I think, which allow it now to help with concussion damage. <laughs> I think we can catch yeah. up if the if, if they if the Olympics and the UFC yep. figured it out, we we can figure it out for our our, yep. our heroes. Exactly. All right, Marcus, brother, thank you so much, and uh, you are a hero, and uh, your wife is a hero, and your children are heroes. We thank them for sharing your service and your burdens uh, for our country, and um, thank you. I'm honored to have you on my show. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. We got to have you back on. All right. Absolutely. All right. God bless. All right. Everybody, uh, I didn't want to keep them for too long. And I looked at, I I went 10 minutes after what I promised uh, the publicist and I felt rude. Um, But Marcus Wilson is an American hero. I don't know about you, but I opposed the invasion of Iraq. I opposed withdrawing from Iraq. And there were so many out there that were whipped into a war frenzy that sent men like Marcus Wilson away from their wives, away from their children to a war that our elite, like Joe Biden, never to make promises to the Iraqi people that they never, ever intended to keep. And then they brought them home. Then there was the rise of ISIS. And this man lost a limb, and that's just the beginning of his injuries for the people of Iraq and for your children, my children, and for our posterity. He's a hero. And now he, he comes up and defends the president. But there's a cost for him. I love, I'm always quoting the Rene Girard quote, to be in solidarity with the vulnerable is to be vulnerable. When Marcus Wilson And all those Marines and soldiers and airmen, sailors, went off to Iraq and Afghanistan. Every one of them did it because they believed it was for our country and the good of the people who lived there. And they became vulnerable. Extremely vulnerable. They were heroes. Well, when he sees the President of the United States being smeared and slandered. Now, for you leftists who are peeking in, listening, you know what's going on over here. You know Donald Trump never called World War I veteran suckers. And look, you know he never, ever said, no one believes he said that. It is a disgusting lie. And it is, yeah, it's disrespectful to Trump, but you disrespect him in a lot of ways, you know, constantly. It doesn't get me upset. But you're trying to use veterans. You're trying to use men who died in 1916, 1917 on the other side of the world. 17, 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old boys who bled out in a field in muddy trenches, died of disease and shrapnel, poison gas, 
their bodies never even coming home. They never had a wife. They maybe they never had a first kiss. They never had children and grandchildren. They never got to live out the things that they dreamed about as young men. They never did any of those things. And you are going to use them for political points? Well, Marcus Wilson is their brother. Marcus Wilson is a hero like them. And the other veterans in the video. I'm going to put the whole thing in the beginning of the show. Those are heroes. And they stood with those men. They were standing with Trump. Okay, you know, you're smearing the president. But is that why veterans are upset? No, we are upset that you would dare use those brave, courageous, scared. You don't know. You lack empathy. You can't even begin to imagine what they were thinking and what they were feeling and what they gave up. So that's what you do. You used them for some points, not even thinking about it. Well, why would you think about it? You've used working moms. You've used immigrants exploited in the underground economy. You use girls trafficked into this country. You use everybody, right? You don't care. But see, veterans will speak up for veterans. And that's what's happening. And I really do believe that the veterans for Trump, Marcus Wilson and his cohorts, are going to be when the historians look back, what did the Democrats do? What was the big mistake? How did Trump win? It was the lowest of the low, the most disgusting thing. The most disgusting political calumny in the history of this republic. Uh, the lies, the, the shameless and obvious bold-faced lies and the, to benefit Biden. You know, Biden, Biden should have come out and said, don't say those things. That's disgusting. That's too low. But they would never, they would never do that. They would never, never, ever do that. This show will have no sponsors because I want the sponsors to be the organizations that support the Wounded Warriors, uh, the Semper Fi Fund, and the other three groups uh, that Marcus uh, named. I'm going to put those in the show notes. We're going to have some more exciting shows. Oh, announcement, my movie, it is now public. Benjamin Watson appeared on Fox and Friends today. And he um, showed the trailer to our film, Divided Hearts of America. I am such a horrible, shameless self-promoter that I have barely told you about the big movie I've been working on for 18 months with Benjamin Watson, Divided Hearts of America. It is going to be on Salem Now on September 17th. The trailer is at the Movie to Movement Facebook page now, and it is at the Divided Hearts of America Facebook page now. You must follow Benjamin Watson on Twitter. You will see it there. And this movie will, will reveal the secret that will unite this country. It will reveal what we're divided. We know that. But is there a secret that will unite us? Yes. What is that secret? Go to Salem now. And trust me, I will be shamelessly promoting this movie relentlessly for the next eight weeks while it is on pay-per-view. Okay? Long and rambling ending. I should probably take medicine for that. I'll go get that THC prescription we're talking about. All right, guys, until next time, it's the Jason Jones Show. Aloha. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Oh, 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 oh,